Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bona Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson, backup quarterback to Tom Brady in Super Bowl 55. Is it 55, I think? You know, he's been in like 10 of the of the Super Bowls. He's been in 10. This will be his 10th Super Bowl. That's amazing to me. That really is. Yeah. That really is. And um, I was watching and, you know, with anything, I mean, we're we're witnessing, uh, of course, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a a huge Brady fan. But we really are witnessing something, you know, like Babe Ruth status. And there's still some haters out there. I don't know what the guy's name is. He does boxing and he does football. And he was on ESPN the other day. And somebody had said, well, you know, he's won six Super Bowls more than anybody. And he's like, yeah, but he's lost three. And that's more Super Bowls than any quarterback has ever lost. So that's when I, I had to change the channel. I was like, did, did he lose haters are going to hate. Yeah, They'll always find something. But when he said that one, oh, yeah, well, he's lost more, super, you know, he's lost more Super Bowls than anybody else, too. Like, uh, okay. Did he lose more than uh, the dude from, um, who's it? Uh, How many did Jim Kelly? Jim, Jim Kelly. Jim, Jim Kelly, yeah. All I, Buffalo. I, don't, I wouldn't be going there, man. Yeah. We have listeners in Buffalo. I know, but our, I mean. Uh, I was listen, rooting for the Bills this week, too. I, 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 yeah, I always root for the Bills. And, um I think I think he's been I could be completely wrong, but I think he's been in three Super Bowls, but he's lost two or he's lost three. Some people right now are going through their losing their mind right now. <laughs> Some dummy that doesn't know uh, they're pounding on the radio probably. So I apologize for this, but I will say this. I will say this in my defense. No matter what you thought of Jim Kelly on the field, he was one hell of a human being. Super, super good guy, man. Really good family guy, and uh, uh, just a class, class, class act. So I'm going to redeem myself somewhat. Did you meet him? him? No, I just thought that would be a way to redeem myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I saw some episodes on him on ESPN. He had a kid that uh, had some uh, uh, special needs and what have you, and just it was a great dad and a great, great human being, and uh, just seemed like a great guy. So he's 0 for 4. So Brady is not lost more Super Bowls than anybody. I didn't I didn't think so, but 0 for 4, and people think he's a bum. You got to the Super Bowl four times, man. You're 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 not you're a stud. If you got the Super Bowl four times, I don't care who you are. Haters are gonna hate. They just can't help it. All right, so you're a Brady fan. I'm gonna give you a, a um a trivia question for you. What other famous athlete did he go to school with? Mega, mega big time athlete. Um, I'm pretty sure he went to school in California. He did. He went to he I went think, to high school in California. Yeah, he did. I think it was Santa High School or Sierra High School in the Northern California. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was a Northern California athlete. I'm gonna say he was a basketball player. Baseball. Who was it? Barry Bonds. No kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. They they went to the same school at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How about that for? Uh... But I'll, I'll tell you what the, the 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 here's here's one that I um okay so we all know that we all know that the best high the high school basketball excuse me the best high school football in America is played in California. Um, man, there's school. Wow, you are just. <laughs> Hey, you just you just want to go to war, huh? Somebody somebody proved me wrong. Uh, oh my god! All you got to do is look at Dela Cell High School. I watched him play for for twelve or fifteen years. Now here's a stat for you: Dela Cell High School. Ten years, them kids never lost a single game. That's ten years of kids going through that school never losing a single game. So people said, well, after a while they said, okay, well. You play in a soft league. They said, all right, well then, and, and some coaches wouldn't even play against them. They'd say, you know what? Forget it. We're, it's, we're getting run 56 to seven every game. We're, we're, we're not going to schedule you guys this year. So they, and everybody, every year, someone would come up and say, well, yeah, we had a great team. We could have beat the Salle this year, but we're in a different league. 
So they said, okay, if you think you can beat us, step up, put yourself on the schedule. So they, every year they would play out of their schedule. They'd play anybody who said they could beat them in California. Well, then they'd say, well, that's Northern California. Well, Southern California, that's where the real talent is. There's a movie about this team. I can't remember the name of it now. But so they went down to Southern California and played a team with 17 Division I players on the team. And De La Salle had maybe three or four or five, maybe. They were out, outweighed by a ton. And De La Salle beat that team. Wow. And a simple veer offense. So then they said, well, yeah, well, that's California. But what about Ohio, Muller High School? What about Washington? What about Texas? They went down there and beat the state champ in Washington. They beat Moeller High School down in, in Ohio. They beat the, uh, the Texas state champion. So, come on, man. That's pretty impressive. I don't know why. You know, the other, you know, you go, it is impressive. Absolutely. But you know what I'm thinking when you're saying that about that high school is kind of the same thing that I used to say about the Patriots, the same thing that I would say about the Bills going to the Super Bowl four years in a row you have to have a pretty good team to go to the Super Bowl four years in a row. Yeah. Win or lose, you're a champion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now just think you got to play 15, 16 games next season. You've been to the Super Bowl three times. Yeah. Everybody that you're playing against is thinking what? That's their Super Bowl. Yeah. This is how we're going to measure our team. Yes, exactly. This is what we're going up against. It's yep. not just like we're playing some team who's five and five. Yeah. We're playing the Buffalo Bills who have been to the Super Bowl. How good are we? You want to be could... the best, you got to beat the best, that kind of thing. Yeah. So every school that signed up to go against that, what was the name of that school? De La Salle. De La Salle. Just think, not only were they playing good teams, yeah. but the mindset of that team. So I'm going to tell you my real quick, my, my brother, uh, my brother, Doug played against De La Salle every year uh, in football. And um, I think this was when he was on the JV team. And this is not, I'm not making this up. The coach came into their locker room for De La Salle, came into their locker room at San Leandro high school and said, look guys, just, just give them your best. Just play your, you know what? They, they, they suit up just like you guys do. Just give them your, go out there and give them your best. That's pretty shocking. My brother was a linebacker. He was his, one of his favorite games of the year because they, they played a very simple offense. The, the, the guards would blow out the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the other line guy, the guys on the line. And it was the linebacker against his one-on-one in the hole against the running back the whole time. And he would say in the game, he would already remember any of the game. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but anyhow, I'll get off that. Um, you know, uh, back to your brother playing, I got to tell this story. I don't know why it popped in my head, but it did. Um, you know, I've mentioned many times coaching hockey with the post office and, and bum and, um, you know, right up until he was almost out of high school. Well, we just played in the house league. We weren't traveling and we just played the other towns that didn't travel. So house league was kind of a dirty word, but... You know, like I used to say to Bum, I go, well, why would we go to Toronto from Albany and drive past 35 teams that we could play hockey against when we can just stay home and do it? You know, we live in upstate New York. There's there's plenty of teams around here. You know, we don't need to do all the traveling. So the other thing about when I was coaching, the guy who ran the rink knew that I could put my team together any time okay (laughs) we had a really good phone system so the whole thing with playing before you go any further i just pictured bad news bears for some reason but go ahead we're going there okay we are definitely heading there uh so i could put my team together it snap of a finger i could have 15 kids ready to go play hockey anywhere anytime okay we, they just, they were a good group, had a lot of fun. Well, you know, they have like triple A travel would be, you know, the number one type travel. Well, this triple A travel team from Syracuse comes down to Albany, but there's a schedule on snafu and the team they were supposed to play and another travel team that would be just under them. They're both out of town. Now there's two teams that they might've been able to play 
they're playing other teams. So here's this team from Syracuse who they got nobody to play. So the guy who runs the rink, he goes, you know, I, I got a team that you could beat up on, you know? It's like, like the team that the uh, Harlem Globetrotters played every, every week. We were the Washington generals to the Harlem Globetrotters. Yes. So he calls me up. He says, uh, look, I don't know if you want this game, but it's the little Caesars team from Syracuse. Okay. They were sponsored by little Caesars. They would fly to some tournaments. I mean, these wow. kids were, you know, so called my, my band of my gang, right. Mm-hmm. We're heading into the locker room and everybody's kind of strolling in and everything. And then a bus pulls up and out walks this little Caesars team, matching jackets, matching hockey bags. I mean, they look like the Boston Bruins, right? Wow. And I remember a parent comes up to me and says, who, uh, who arranged this game? Do you know who this team is? I go, yeah, yeah. So I said, you know, if you show fear, we're, we're screwed already. Just, you know, play. Don't, don't worry about it, you know? Yeah. So, of course, by the time I hit the locker room, all the kids, that's all they're buzzing about, right? It's like, why would you set a game up with this team? I'm like, because it's free. That's why. We don't have to pay a dime for the ice, right? Yeah. The ice is paid for. Go out, go out and have a ball. And they're all saying, oh, my God, this team is, you know, these, some of these kids are going to go pro. I look at everybody. I go, listen, you're all the same age and size. Okay. You're all the same exact age and the same exact weight. You're not playing men. You're playing kids your own age and your own size. They're no bigger than you. Well, we go out there (laughs) and we just start getting just lit up. I mean, these kids were really, you know. So I could see my guys are getting really, 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 really upset. And I'm like, I call a timeout and I go, look it. You guys are not good enough to get this mad at losing to this team, okay? They're going to pound our skulls in. But this is a good way to test yourselves. This is right. This is what you want. You you want to play. You're you're going to learn from this game, okay? Mm -hmm. I said so. No more tantrums. No more. You know, just suck it up. Play. Don't worry about it, okay? Yeah. Well. And we start playing another 10 minutes and that speech is just gone. You know, it's an echo, right? Now they're back to, so I call another timeout. I get everybody around me, you know, I'm standing on the bench, get everybody, all the kids around me. I go, look it. I want you all to turn and look over in the stands at who brought you here. Okay. I say, everybody looking. And as they looking over, some of the mothers are, are like waving, right? (laughs) I said, don't wave. I said, don't wave to them. I said, but I want you to think of how ashamed they are of you people right now. (laughs) Now these kids have known me for years, right? Yeah. So they, they all started laughing when I said this. And then, you know me, I'm a movie line guy, right? Uh When they turn around and looked at me and they're laughing, I start giving the speech from uh, Remember the Titans. You blitz all day. You remember that speech? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I do that speech, right? So now they're all laughing, right? Two of the kids from the other team skate over and go, point at me and go, remember the Titans. I go, yeah, remember the (laughs) Titans. Okay. So I don't know if they let up a little bit or my guys just started to have fun and enjoy it, but we lost the game. The coach walks up to us at the end and their team skates over. Now, usually at the end of a hockey game, there's a handshake line and everybody goes their separate ways, right? At the end of this game, nobody left the ice. We did the handshake line. Nobody left the ice. The coach said, we want you guys to come up and play us in Syracuse. This was one of the best nice. games we ever had. And I'm like, uh, that's really nice, but I, I don't I don't, yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna get everybody <laughs> on board to go up there and take a 12 goal beating. But yeah, nice. I don't know why that story just came into my head, but I, I think it was 
you can learn something in sports, I think, from playing those really super teams. So that's why I can understand why people would want to play that uh, that team, sign up to play that team, see how they were doing. Yeah, no, no question. That's that's a good story. I, I we're gonna get back to floors. I can, I got a couple more floor story or uh, sports stories I'd love to tell, but we can't. But uh, dude, I, I I could do that as a whole episode one day. So. What we are going to talk about is putting together your, your repair box. You're the guy that goes back and, and handles all the detail work, all the repairs, uh, all, the, uh, all the intricate, you know, get the check or not get the check type of, type of jobs. So what are you going to put in that box? So I got my, my toolbox. Rob's got I know you toolbox. have yours and I have mine and this could be pretty funny. Okay. But I am going to start with something very simple. I did have an individual toolbox that was used for nothing but repairs. Oh yeah, me too. Every so tool that was good. in it, every every single thing that was in that box was never opened unless we were doing a repair. I always wanted to just be able to pop that box in or out of the truck and know that everything was in there and nothing had been ransacked. Yep. I so like it. That's how I'm starting my my repair boxes with a box. Okay, I like it. So we're gonna go. We're gonna. How are we gonna do this? I'll I'll I'll, I'll go. I'll mention something. You mention something. How about that? And let's. I wonder let's, how many we're gonna have that are the same. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Because yeah. I feel like now I'm gonna mention something brilliant. You're gonna go. Oh yeah, yeah. I have that in mind too. Uh I. You know I can't do that. I, I'm. I do not have a poker face. You'll you'll see it on me right away. All right. But I think you and I were completely different types of contractors. I don't know. I think a repair kit seems pretty straightforward to me. So let's I, find I out. agree. I agree, but I think you were more of a you know real old world craftsman and I was more of a grind them out detail. There's not a lot of detail work at three o'clock in the morning. I don't know. You say commercial that, work I, type stuff. You say that, but I have uh, I, I've learned a lot from you, man. So I think you are being. Uh, uh, um, I was a, more of an industrial sander. I think you were more of a that sander. All right. Well, let's go. Let's do it. All right. I, these, I, I throw mine out there. Mine was uh, the first one, a toolbox, dedicated yeah. toolbox. Okay. Yep. I'm with you. All right. All right, go. No, you're next. I gave you a dedicated toolbox. Well, you got to have a dedicated toolbox. That's the whole premise of the show. I don't think a lot of people do. Really? I think okay. they just pick and choose. Did, okay. You had one. Okay. So, okay. So, okay. I'll match you that. Dedicated toolbox. You That's had that. Turn. Yes, of course. My turn? Yeah. Moving blankets. Mm, I don't have that. I don't have that. That's damn good. I, I gotta have, and listen, I gotta have a lot of make, moving blankets because- I'm gonna make a separate list because <laughs> moving blankets. Now, instinctively, I would have that. I just wouldn't have it in my toolbox, but I, 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 we'll go with that. That's good. That's, that's damn a broad good. sword. Remember, this is a podcast. We need to talk about yeah. stuff. Okay, I think that's good. And, I, and I'll tell you why I have to have a toolbox. Because anybody who's worked with me knows as soon as I'm done with something, I'm going to just place it someplace as close as possible to me. So we get to the point where I'd like to Peter or Bum, I'd like, where, where's my hammer? And they go, why don't you look in the windowsill? Or why don't you look, you know, over there on the countertop where you shouldn't be putting things? You want to see three Highlander kids get in a fight just like they were 12 years old again? 13? Yeah. And, yes, uh, I would. And, and eleven, take something out of one of our our toolkits. Doesn't matter how old with forty or fifty or thirty or twenty. <laughs> you take something out of my, and especially if you're on another job to me now, and you 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 took this out of my box, you're going to see problems, man. It's, it's going to get ugly and it's going to stay ugly for a while. So, you know, it's funny um, you said that. Oh God, did that bring back a great story doing bowling alleys we used 
12 inch machines. So everything you, it was, you were cutting all your paper. We didn't use belts. It was all paper cuts, right? Mm. So everybody had had a razor knife in their toolbox so you could, you know, you cut your own paper, right? Yep. Did you use a template? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah, you had to. That was one of the most important tools on the sand job was that template because yep. lose that template. It's, you lose that template and try and get a slice of twenty in there. Yeah. You're screwed. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, I noticed, uh, I was like, where the hell does my razor knife, you know? And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, where the hell's my razor knife? Where, where'd it go? You know, where's my razor knife? Well, everybody on the crew is going through the same thing. Nobody you can understand where, <laughs> swear to God, literally, I, I am not lying to you. We open up my brother's toolbox and he's got like 12 razor knives in there. He would go borrow somebody's who was close and then just toss it in his box and never once think to put one of them back. He just had this collection of razor knives and we couldn't figure out where, you know, where are they going? Why am I, I got to keep it? So yeah, you want to talk about people wanting to beat the crap out of somebody. So I can see the Highlander brothers fighting over missing tools. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm. We're going to have to. I'm feeling subconscious that we're we're going long here, but I have to tell this story because you just reminded me of it. And I swear to God, for the listeners, I'm going to get right back to the the tools. There's a launch ramp post in our town here where people go fishing. It's rural. It's out of the way, and you can only fit maybe four or five cars there. Okay, but it's a hot spot. <clears throat> Guys will come from all around to fish that area. Well, somebody was stealing out of everybody's trucks and cars and somebody had a, in fact, the guy electrician, he had his like, you know, the, the boxes in the back of the van, he pried open the boxes and they were stealing stuff all the time. So it was like, everybody went down there, someone was getting something stolen all the time. And it, and it was notorious and everybody knew about it. And it was frustrating because it was a great spot. And how come they haven't caught the guy and what kind of scumbag would do something like this? And it had been going on and on and on. And now you're afraid to go down there because this guy's stealing from everybody. Well, lo and behold, the guy gets caught, right? And this is like, you know, this is like stealing someone's horse, man. I mean, this is- right. this is, this this is like, this, yeah, this is a horse thief. This is as low down as it gets, man. You know what I mean? And so who is this guy that's been stealing all this stuff? And, and you know, this scoundrel that surely will never be able to live here again. You're tainted now. You, 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 you do something like that. That's like shooting somebody's prize uh, deer on their, on, their, on their property, right? Right. So- they got the guy. So now where everybody's like, all right, well, who is this guy, man? I mean, this guy's got to be as, as low down rotten as they get. Well, <laughs> the guy was off, right? I mean, there was something clearly wrong with the guy. And he didn't do anything with the stuff he stole. He just threw it in his barn. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't like he wasn't stealing it and selling it. He wasn't stealing it and using it. He was like a kleptomaniac. He just kept it all in his barn and everything that was stolen was there. He was, a I mean? he was a collector of fine tools. You wanted to hate the guy, but you couldn't because he, he was off. But okay, so okay, let's get back to this. Uh, in my toolbox, uh, uh, and this is a don't leave home tool. I'll call it a tool. Uh, trans tint and mix all paint is something I, you don't leave home without. And, and trans tint, there's probably about eight different colors I would always have with me. And mix all paint, the same comes in two ounce containers. Uh, lifesavers, an absolute lifesaver on a job. So that's one for me. And we'll go kind of quick because I feel like we're going to go two hours on this and get killed. I didn't have that. That's I see the look on one. your face. You're right. Yep. You don't have no poker face. Didn't have that one. Good one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was funny when you said we're going to do this show. I just thought of all the mistakes I made. Um, sheetrock compound. Yeah, that's a good I one. Sheetrock compound. Also. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not even going to put that Absolutely. Fix that before anybody sees it. That was my, that was my motto. Okay. Um, uh, epoxy injection kit or, and super glue. Another one of those tools you don't leave home without. If you get one of those shaker boards or what have you, there's a hundred different uses for it. Uh, you, you just don't leave home without it. Um, I kind of had that. 
I had seven sixty fourths drill bit with a syringe. Well, your your heart was in the right place. I'll give that to you. Yeah, and the seven sixty fourths drill bit was back in the bowling alley days. If you go look closely at a wood lane, you know, right at the foul line on the maple. Actually, sometimes even in the approach, if you look close down at each individual board, every 10 inches, there's a 764th drill bit hole. Because back in the 80s, after lanes had, you know, been really starting to get like piano keys, okay? A lot of oil, pounding of the balls and everything. So they'd yeah. start to loosen up. Well, a guy from a company I used to work with, he invented this epoxy injection system where you take a 764 bit, drill down into the tongue and groove and pump it full of epoxy. Now think there's 44 boards on a bowling alley, right? And we do 16 lines. So 16 times 44 times the number of lanes. We used to buy, we used to buy the 764 bit like 10 pounds at a time, 10 pounds of those bits. Wow. Wow. Because you'd snap them all the time when you were drilling and it turned into be an unbelievable industry because, you know, we just saved bowling alleys all throughout the country. Everybody was doing it. And the cool thing was, you know, bowling alley work was always done at night or, uh, you know, during the gym season, you know, May to September. Now we had something to do in the winter at night. So it was all night work. Nice. So we kept going year round. So you don't think about that, but I could absolutely see the, the pounding of the balls and the, uh, the, uh, the uh, oil and the definitely cause issues. You know, it was point. weird what happened after that. And it's funny, you, you know, you fix one thing and then all of a sudden something else breaks. Right. So here we have these maple heads. That's what we call the front of the bowling alley, the head. Now you have this maple head that's like one solid piece of marble, right? Mm -hmm. It's sugar maple, completely epoxied. Well, every time you drop the ball now, it would send a shock wave a little bit further past where you did the epoxy. And it was literally separating the lanes. That constant shock and everything was, now you fix one thing, ended up with another problem. I, I just realized that, um... You could get like a side gig at at bowling uh bowling um league like like high you know with those professional bowlers like a broadcaster because like that kind of stuff no broadcaster is going to know that right <laughs> you being like, that would be like they'd look at you like damn that dude that guy is something special there you we go yeah. yeah okay nib nib file the nib file is uh, also one of those tools you don't leave a home without. Great for getting the hair out or something, a little debris in the in the uh, finish. Um, it can be a lifesaver on a job. So a nib file, NIB, comes out of the uh, automotive industry, is a must-have. Anybody who's been to the bone of trainings knows. It's actually something I want to put into our, our package, our class package that we give to the students when they leave. Good idea. Is that nib file. And go. Oh, slivers. Good, yeah. Slivers. Good. Yeah, I like that. And especially where I live, you know, putty just doesn't work sometimes. And you get into these older homes, have these huge gaps, and they want it filled. Just like you were saying, you wouldn't trial fill if there was looseness. Looseness, is that it? I don't think looseness is a word. That's like saying shrimps. If the floor is loose, no, there's no looseness. No, I think there is a looseness. Looseness? I think so. I thought it was like shrimp. Hold on a second. It's, it's just shrimp. You can't Siri. have a bunch of shrimps. Siri spell looseness. Looseness. L O O S E. N-E-S-S. -S. Not firmly or tightly fixed in place, detached or able to be detached. So looseness is a word. Where's my bell? I'm smarter than I thought. You got to have that bell ready, buddy. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm going to go next. Automotive compounds. 
Wait, let's talk more about the slivers. Okay. There's a certain way to cut that sliver too. It's not a wedge. You know what I mean? Too many people cut a wedge and then it's not gonna work the same way as that slivers cut. Like three degrees or five degrees on a table saw? Yeah, how the one side is flat and the other side has a bevel, but it's also got about three sixteenths of meat that's flat. Yeah. And it goes in. Who is the guy from Oshkosh? You remember the guy from Oshkosh? Yeah, I do. Um, what was Tom, his name? Piotr? Piotr? Yes. Tom Piotr? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I saw him do that at NWFA school and I thought, oh my God, that is unbelievable. I was, I, I've been hooked on slivers ever since the day I saw him do that at the NWFA school. Um, and a side note, when you glue those in, you only want to glue one side. Just the one in. side, right? Yeah, Don't no. glue both sides because yep. then your floor won't expand and contract. Yep. Okay. So uh, I'll go back to my automotive compounds. Great for uh, sheening up a repair. Um, Chemical Guys is, is a company. Number 30. If I remember right, 32, 34, and 36. You can you can sheen something up super gloss or you can bring it down. So uh, they in, in the right circumstances, automotive compounds can definitely help you. And go. We have one of those at the at one of the conventions. Wasn't there a guy there who did that? I can't remember the guy's name out of North Carolina. Yes. Damn it. Is I that where you saw it? Because uh, that's where I well, saw we, a guy doing it. We've been we've been using them, you know, quite extensively before that. Because I try to fool around doing French polishing and stuff on on furniture. As just you know, my mother-in-law was an antique dealer, and uh, I got it. Kind of got interested in that French French uh, polishing, and we used to do something similar. The guy you're talking about demonstrated yes using the the um, automotive compounds. But I, I can't remember his damn name. I apologize for, for the guy. He was, did a great job, Steve. Um, okay, go. Uh, half inch and three quarter flat cut red oak, white oak plugs. I got those. And. and now, not, not dowels, but plugs. Plugs, not dowels. Yes. Dowels are. End grain. Right. Flat Here. cut plugs and with those plugs, a half inch and three quarter shaved paddle bits. Yes. I shaved my ends, my sides on those paddle bits just a little bit. So the holes just a little smaller. So when you put that plug in and turn it with the grain, she disappears. Do you know something? One time in my life, in my in career, that this came in handy. One time and one time only, and it was worth every bit of it. And I'll tell you real quickly. It was white stained floor, had a sliver in the kitchen in a really bad spot, in a white stained floor, like I said, she noticed it. You know when you're buffing that last coat and you just pull it up? <laughs> it was just like one of those heartbreakers. So I went down to Woodcraft Supply. I bought like 30 of them, and I stained every one of them. And I set them down next to where I did, where I drilled the hole out. I, I set them down and I picked out the right color and the right grain out of, of those 30. And, uh, and then I, I took blue tape and put on the drill bit, make sure I didn't go too far to whatever. And I, it disappeared, couldn't flat out, couldn't see it. And, yeah. and then I took, I actually took a razor knife and through where the, where the circle is in one area, I brought the, I, I put, I scored it through there a little bit, make it look like the, the grain was going through it. And one time only, it only worked one time, only did it one time, but I went home the happiest floor man in the, in the country that day. So I'll tell you, when that works too, it's just the easiest damn repair in the world, especially if you're set up for it and not scrambling around trying to find flat cut, flat cut red oak and white oak plugs. Yep. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, three sizes of scrapers and the file to go with them. The one, the one inch, the one inch and a half, and you go two inch if you like. But I love to have the small one there for when you're chasing the grain, and you get a lot of that uh, like uh, rips on grain. It's going to kind of go delicately between the between the uh, the grain patterns. Uh, I think. Oh, by the way, this dude named David Green, a floor contractor in in Kentucky, 
coming out with uh he's making his own he, he's a woodworker also he made his own um made his own um scrapers they got a hook tool uh, a right hand hook and a left hand hook so if you're getting between the spindles on a stair tread at the bottom the the newel post or whatever at the bottom uh you can you can scrape you know kind of in in areas that you wouldn't be able to get with a straight scraper wow so yeah Anyhow, huh. so there you go. Biscuit cutter. Great, 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 great tool. <clears throat> I don't have that down there. Uh, it's not something that would have went in my that kind of box, but but definitely would be in the van. But one hundred percent, that one of the best. I'm tools bringing it in when I'm doing the repair because nothing cuts a prettier butt joint when you know I've said it before that like the boards in my house. You know, I've got my house was built in the fifties. I really have some boards that are almost the length of the room. 12 yeah. foot, it's yeah. crazy. So, yeah. you know, you don't want to yank that whole board out, but you do want to make a perfect, uh, a perfect cut. So yeah, biscuit cutter is my next one. I like it. Blow dryer. When you're doing repairs. Yeah. I haven't used a, I haven't used a blow dryer. Uh, I think since the early nineties. I mean, you yeah. still, you still, do you use a blow dryer? I've never used a blow dryer. Never? I mean, I'm my, on my own person? Yeah. No. That beautiful head of hair you have, you don't, you don't try yeah. it. Who needs a blow dryer? All right. Uh, I will say, though, um, who's that company that came out with that? Uh, Floby. Uh, the the Floby. Uh, <laughs> that dude should be a billionaire right now if he hadn't gone out of business in the 90s. No one's getting their hair cut anymore. That Nobody guy right knows now, what a Floby is. That That... Like, Nobody, I, I'm, I'd be surprised how many, if you know what a Floby is, please send us an email telling us you know what a Floby is. You can give your own self a haircut. You remember the commercial? Yeah, you can't screw it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, if Bona was smart, we would figure out, well, I mean, we already have the vac and hose. That was half of yeah, the Floby. Yeah, that's half the battle. All we need to do now is just hook up the cutter to the end of it and Sand your floors and cut your hair at the same time with the bonus. Can you imagine floor. if that was around right now, how much money that guy would make with people not I'm going to send the that idea in. Eileen, Eileen's in marketing. We'll have Eileen send that idea in for us. Okay. I'm pretty sure right. Bona will love this one. All right. Give me your next one. I just gave you a biscuit cutter. Yeah. I, I gave you a blower. Is oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. A uh, small high quality china bristle brush got that too absolutely and i also while you're on the on brushes really really fine brushes too <clears throat> well that brings me to my next one then uh those two ounce acrylic paint paints that you get at michael's uh you you get you can go get those two ounce uh uh paints they're great for repairs they're great for and always get the white one too in case you happen to nick a cabinet or whatever and like you said, fix it before anybody sees it. Fix it before they see it. But get those little art, art, artist, artist brushes as well. Uh, they can they can save you a lot. So, okay. I gave you brushes. You're up. And I gave you. Stay with me now. I said yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to go with two ounce acrylic paints. To oh, jeez. You're right. It's on me. Oh, I'm so glad I get to say this one. I'm going to make sure that I have a tube of 880. Excellent. You can't go wrong. You always need for huh? repairs. Dry come on. Give my, come on. That's, That's a good one. Why are we using the 880 and not a sausage, Wayne? Well, it sets up so quick. It's a bonus adhesive for, for a lot of guys using it for uh, wall treatments. Sets up super fast, really good uh, uh, high tack on it, fast tack, and uh, great for doing repairs. Super easy, 10-ounce container, works fantastic. Good call. Take it off my list now, damn it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with 3M white pads because they also go along very well with the uh, with the automotive compounds. And along with that, I'm gonna include conditioning pads, maroon pads, the different types of pads, and I'm gonna cut them to the, to the width of my hand. All right, so go through and cut a bunch of pads up, the white pads, the, the conditioning pads, and maybe uh, a little bit more aggressive than that. Hell, we might as well, should we go, I might as well include sandpaper that also. Oh, that was, I was going to just grab that one because that's what okay, I had. I had, 
all grits, sandpapers, 60 through 320, meaning 320 being a maroon pad. I go beyond 320 and I go up to a thousand, uh, which bring, bring the spray bottle, uh, which is, I'll, I'll put my next one as a spray bottle. But if you take a spray bottle and you wet sand that thousand grit sandpaper, you can also really sheen up the uh, finish with that, and you can uh, you can you know, or you can bring the sheen down by the way too with that with automotive compounds. So yeah, but I would bring I would go finer than that if you're going to use automotive compounds. You know, um, talking about that, where you said you were that that reminded me when Bumman when Bum was in Scouts, and we were doing the Pinewood Derby stuff. We started to get, you know, it was year after year, you know, and the more we did it, the better we got at it to the point where we had a Pinewood Derby toolbox with just everything we needed for the cars to shape the cars, weights, but we had 1500 grit sandpaper in there. And that was really the, any, listen, any dad or my kid. Any person out there who's helping a kid build a Pinewood Derby car, the trick is the axles. The trick is the nail, okay? Bum, would I would put those in a high-speed drill, those nails, it was the axle to the tire, the wheel, and we would take 1,500 grit sandpaper. He would take 1,500 grit sandpaper and sand one axle for two or three hours. No kidding. Unbelievable what it, what would happen to these these wheels. To this day, we still have the car that won the New York State Championship. Okay? We have every car that we ever built. It's so great to watch the grandkids playing with them. But we take the first car, okay? Pick the car up. Matter of fact, here's the first car we ever built. Okay. There it is, right? Now, you spin the wheel, and it spins pretty good, mm -hmm. and it stops. Well, the car that won the championship, when you did that, it was like the wheel would never stop because he fine-sanded those axles down. So, fathers, the trick is to 1,500 grit, three hours on a high-speed drill, shine those axles up to like there's just no tomorrow the other thing only three wheels touch the ground one wheel is up really yep we found out we we found out a lot of cool things Ooh. friction friction is your you want the car to go straight and the less friction you have so if one wheel's up you've decreased your friction by 25 percent then when you High speed those uh, high speed those axles with the fifteen hundred grit right away. All that friction, right? You've eliminated all that friction. Friction, less friction, more speed. That's another whole podcast. We should do a whole podcast on Pinewood Derby cars. You know, there was they made a movie about that. Is that right? Yeah, the name of the movie, and it was pretty funny. And any Anybody out there who's ever had anything to do with Pinewood Derbies, the name of the movie is Down and Derby. <laughs> That's the yeah. name of the movie. And it's got some, some guys that you'd recognize, you know. But it's the, the, the maniacs that they turned into building these cars, okay. Bum and I were building multiple cars for, for one season. We had test tracks downstairs. I mean, we just spent hours and day after day. It was great father-son time. I mean, we had a blast, okay? But this is, we this is were- you, This is why people can't go out and just enjoy just average stuff anymore. Because of guys like you. You can't just bring your kid down and, you know, you just, you know, but you got to invest your life into it. If you're going to be any good, and that's it, 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 incredible. I was blaming it. No, no, no. That's all good. It's father-son time. That's that's what it was. It's just I get it, but you ruined my father son time because <laughs> I bring my 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 kid out there. We just you know put this together, and you go blowing by us like it's nothing. And uh, although we're going against a professional here, and you got well, I had, I had a 
Well, I think half of it too was, you know, you revert back to your own childhood yeah. and my car stopped halfway down the track. Oh, okay. There okay. you go. It had issues. That car had issues yeah. and halfway down the track. And I remember thinking, man, I'm not going to do that to my son. We're gonna... you smash the, did you smash the track up? Because that's what we would have done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... There was a there was during that one of his one of his races. A car did almost the same exact thing mine did. Halfway down, the wheel fell off, and it there's a car dead on the track, you know. Uh, and I walked over to Bum and I go, "Now there's a dad who doesn't love his son." You see? Yeah, there you, you go. See? Yeah, yeah. You see how did, much? You see how lucky you are? <laughs> yeah. Did you do one of these? Loser. <coughs> <coughs> All right, he whacks your. Watch the movie, Down All in right. Derby. There you go, de Shellac. Um, does really well with the uh, with the uh, transdense, mixes very well, dries super fast. The only re the only thing I use it for is for repairs in a situation like this. Uh, you could also use water based finish. Uh, these the either way, but again the blow dryer comes in the, in the, into play here. And um, uh, the fine brushes also come into play here. And um, I have one other thought about it, but I can't remember right off, right off hand. But anyhow, um, definitely uh, with a little little uh, container of uh, de-wax you lack. Uh, block plane. Yep. I had, uh, actually, I had two block planes, one regular size block plane and then like a little miniature block plane. Block. Okay. Block, block plane, block plane. I like it. It's a spray bottle, so I'm going to just cross it off. I don't, I won't, I, didn't, I won't count it though. I said sandpaper to higher, uh, 800 or higher, I'm crossing that off. Quality brushes, I'm crossing that off. Um, okay, here's one that you don't have uh, and you should have. And uh, sorry you missed this, but you should have had it. That is a, uh, and Taylor Tools makes this, the Wood Doctor Touch-Up Repair Kit. That there's the hot milk, the, 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 you can, the different uh, uh, waxes that you can, uh, different colors for, oh, he's showing me, wait a minute. All right, he's got it. Yep, okay, you Meltable got it. Meltable wax, baby. Yep. It was the Mohawk Repair Kit. Wow. They made Damn it, they man. made it. That Mohawk repair kit was the best damn thing in the world. Yeah, that's a nice. That's a, that that's a nice, kit is. Yeah. I, I still have never been able to find the plane. Do you remember the plane? It was awesome. Come, that's that's the that's the whole deal. circular one. That plane. Yep. yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. the hot knife. I mean, yeah. that is a lifesaver. Unbelievable. Does Mohawk still make that kit? I'm sure they must. Yeah, boy. I'm if sure any distributor, man, that'd be a nice little thing to have on the on the desk uh, on the counter. Yes, because guys, if it was there, guys would buy it. I always say that about fire extinguisher too. You put a fire extinguisher up in your counter at your distributorship, you're gonna sell it. Yeah, you'll yep. sell it, guaranteed. Sorry, oh, you had the meltable wax, and you thought yeah. you're gonna nail me. Uh, Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. All right. My apologies. You know what? Maybe I was a little better than I thought. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? That's what I said. You give me, yeah. give me some more credit. Um, I do have another one, and you know, I know it's very simple, but uh, uh, a chisel so sharp, multiple size chisels so sharp that I could shave with them. I got that down as well. Hundred percent. If anybody ever took one of those chisels out of that box. Yeah. It was over. Oh, yeah. It was over, baby. Yeah, you can't you can't beat it. Uh, and not a cheap ch chisel set either, man. A really good uh No, set no, chisel. no. Nope. Yeah. Oh, I'll set off my list. I'm going to go with something else that you possibly overlooked. Um, and I, I swear by this. Um, bring, bring, if you're working on a white oak select floor, I bring a white oak tread with me 
Everything I think I'm going to do to the floor, I'm going to do the tread first. For instance, if I think it's going to be this color range, I might I might tape the tread off uh, with another thing, uh, blue tape, orange cord. We'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, come on. That was my next one. Okay, that's what I, okay well, hold on. That, hold that thought then. But what I think I'm going to do this for, if I think it's going to be a certain color, I'll put that color down. And maybe the night before even. And I'll put down the next, a little bit darker, a little bit darker, a little bit darker. And I'll also do the same thing with finishes. And I think, okay, before I commit to the floor, maybe I've chased the grain already. I've done all that. Uh, I'm ready to do the repair. I think the color up stain I'm going to use. Uh, I'll do it to the stair tread first. And by the way, let's say I know what the color is. Let's say I know the color is, you know, uh, whatever. I'll, I'll put the finish on it, but let's say I know it's traffic on there. The homeowner said, yeah, they use traffic satin or whatever. I will also bring, I'll coat that tread in satin. I'll add a little bit, I'll use the mixing bottles. I'll add a little bit of, of, of semi-gloss to it or whatever, and maybe a little bit more gloss. I'll, I'll, I'll look at the different sheen levels because of, it was coated at a different time, because of age, what blah, blah, blah. I'll use different sheens. So by the time I go to commit to that repair in my house the night before, I've already dialed it in pretty close. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, um, the other one I had was blue tape. I know it sounds simple and stupid, but to me, every repair that I did, or just about any repair I ever did, I always taped it off because I think one of the things that um, I had issues with before I started taping things off was making a small repair bigger than it had to be. And then you could draw your, it was, you know, it would draw your eye. So at least by having the boot tape, taping everything off, you know, aim small, miss small type of a thing. By the way, here's how this all comes together. That blue tape, you're, you're using a blue tape with the orange core, right? Yep. Which, which everybody, all blue tape is not created equal. I think most people all, all know that, but you always want to use a blue tape with the orange core in the center. Also, the, the blow dryer can come into play here too. Because if you, if you, if somebody, let's say your homeowner puts down the blue tape and it starts to peel the finish, if you take a blow dryer, a heat gun or something, you, you heat up that tape, it will lose its elasticity and uh, you can, you can then pull it off. Always pull, pull it off at a, at a right angle and low to the floor. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So use the, use the heat gun to, to heat it up first and it's less likely it's going to take the finish with it. You know, years and years ago, ESPN, you know, before before everybody's getting really fancy with what they could do with camera shots and everything, ESPN would go into a college, okay, and put ESPN stickers on the floor, and they, you know, actually play on it. And then when they'd rip those stickers off, they would just peel up finish galore. It was just brutal. And it's funny you said that because that's how we, we started using heat guns because it was working a little bit faster than a, a hair dryer, but the heat gun would soften up the adhesive enough where you could pull the floor off and then clean it, or pull the decal off and then clean it rather than destroy the floor. So okay. yeah, anybody who needs to do a repair where something is stuck to the floor and you're thinking it's going to pull finish, definitely heat that up. And then you just have to go back and clean off a little of the residue, which is simple. And so if you want that blue tape to really stick so you don't get any, uh, any bleed back, you can heat that blue tape up with your finger or a spoon or something to really, really heat that up. To, the more you do that, the more it's going to grip that floor and less likely you'll have bleed back as well. Um, I don't know if we, I don't know if we mentioned this one. I didn't cross it off yet. Two-part epoxy, clear and black. I said, I said uh, yeah, the epoxy ejection, but I didn't say clear or black. It, but the good point on the black, uh, which also brings up one to my mind, which is uh, Bondo. <clears throat> Bondo in the right situation can, can, can really help. It can be painted and tricked out as well for a quick repair. Uh, so we uh, would bring Bondo to the job. You know, I got a Bondo story. Yeah. It's a sad story too. We, um, we sanded this floor and the house was, it was 200 years old all spruce floor, you know, 12 inch, just, you know, it was original floor. And we start sanding it and it looks beautiful. And the guy says, you know, can you, can you fill those gaps? 
They're like, no, not, not really. You know, I mean, there's a lot of movement here and, you know, why, why mess with it? You know, it looks beautiful. You know, it looks, it looks the way a 200 floor, 200 year old floor should look. Don't, don't do it. But right away, I'm thinking, I could tell he's thinking, yeah, he just doesn't want to trial fill 2,500 feet of this antique floor, you know? He says, what about putting a rope in there? I read someplace where you could put a rope in there. I was like, uh, I've never done it. So no, I ain't going to do it here, you know? And I just kept pushing on like, you're trying to keep the house looking like it's a 200 year old house. Don't, don't mess with it. Okay. Now this is a floor that's 200 years old. We leave. We come back, we leave Friday night, done working. We come back Monday morning. He had gone through and bondoed the entire floor. Oh no. Yeah, and this is this is just down the street from me. I mean, it's you know, right here in shrinkage swelling. You know, the last episode we did on shrinkage and swelling, right in the belly of the beast is shrinkage and swelling, right? Wow. We sand it, we coat it, and he's just so proud of himself. And he didn't use a good color bondo. It was like gray. Well, I was thinking of that band White Stripes when you said oh, that. Just, yeah. just look horrible. I mean, just horrible. And you knew that he didn't like it, but he was just saying, oh, how, you know, oh, okay, it looks amazing. Yeah. And it looked like dog, you know, it looked yeah. terrible. Well, guess what happens? He calls us back. A couple of the floors, a couple of the boards had split right down the middle. Yeah. Split right down the middle. The bondo held it together. Mm-hmm. Even a 200-year-old floor was going to move. Wow. wow. And it split those boards. I mean, it was, yeah, I just wanted to punch the guy. Yeah, wow. You just, you destroyed it. And then he looked at me and he goes, is there anything you can fill that with? And I was like, I, I, are you not getting the... <laughs> How about Bondo? What are, <laughs> what aren't you getting here, Johnny? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Pretty good. All right. What else? Do you, you got anything else on your list? Um WD40. Absolutely. WD40. And, and, what, and, and, and for it, what? I, I don't know if it's so much for a repair, but WD40, so many of the jobs that Pete and I did were old shellac jobs, you know, really old, old stuff. And, you know, the edger would go, go two feet and the paper's completely gummed up, no matter what grit you were using. And we'd hit the paper with WD-40 and a little on the floor. And it was messy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was messy, but man, did that ever make the paper just cut forever. So WD-40 was in my repair box. People laugh about talcum powder and stuff like that for squeaks but i'll tell you there are people that absolutely positively swear by wd-40 for squeaks really yes i mean we'll swear by and i'm talking about studs i mean you know really seasoned guys no kidding i never even thought about trying that for a squeak you can always call me you know Sometimes I just walk right into them. You know what I mean? Eyes wide open. Just walk right into them. Uh, shoot. Okay. I'm tapped out. That's all I got in my box. I got no room for anything else. You got anything else? No, that was it. Okay. That was it. I think that's, that's a pretty damn good box. Yeah, absolutely. That'll get you out of a lot of problems. And a guy that can do detail work on a job is one valuable guy. I've always said... Let's say you're you reach the end of your the apex of your career. You're getting ready. You don't want to sand anymore. You don't you don't, don't want to install jobs anymore. The body's beat up or whatever. Maybe you still want to stay in the trade. I guarantee you, every distributor in the country would love to know one guy that can go out and solve a problem. One guy that they can count on to go out and do a board repair that the customer is going to be happy. That can do a simple repair. Uh, there's a lot of money in repairs, by the way. Uh, so that, you know, all the skills that you have attained over all these years, not a bad way, not to mention they could also get you out of trouble if, if you're in the middle of your career, but, but having a tool, a dedicated toolbox to something like this, uh, separates a really great craftsman from maybe not, 
and uh, from getting the check and maybe not. You know, you said um, what you were just reminded me of a story as one of my favorite industry stories of all time. Uh, it was back uh, early 2000s. I was doing an NWFA school when Steve Seaball was the instructor. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I just love schools with Steve. He was just this is one of the best instructors I ever saw. And he was showing chasing the grain. Okay. Ripped out a board, replaced the board, did the chasing the grain and everything. And he tells a story of this mansion that they called him up and somebody, they were doing a bread, a brick bread oven or something. And they had dropped some blocks on the floor. And, you know, so everybody's like, well, we got to sand the whole thing. We have to do this. We have to do that. And Steve said, this one you said, if every distributor had somebody that they could go to. So Steve was this guy. So he goes in and it's, I think he said it was maybe five or six boards that needed to be patched and replaced. And he tells the lady, it'll be $4,000. Yeah. Right. Cause he did the math on what it would cost to move everything out, put her out, you know, the whole deal. And it was still cheaper for him to do that way. But he said he spent, you know, probably three days on, on doing these patches and the homeowner and the builder, like you're out of your mind, $4,000. That's insane. Just to do a board repair. And he goes, well, if it works, you've, you've saved money, right? You save money and time yep. and heartache. So they let him do it. And he looks at the class and he goes, I was there two or three days. They came walking in and could not tell where the patch was, where the patch was. And he goes, and I made 4,000 bucks on that patch job. And one of the students says, $4,000? He says it out loud to everybody, $4,000. How can you sleep at night? And Steve looks at him and goes, I sleep very well because I make money when I go out and leave my house. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to stand up. If we weren't standing. I would have told everybody to stand up and give them a standing ovation for that answer. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to charge for that repair. Just like you were saying, if every distributor had one guy they could call, money would be no object. Yep. To get the repair right rather than moving somebody out of their house, complete sand, you know, the whole deal. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the one thing you can't put in that box but needs to come on every job is patience. Uh, you have products oh. you need to dry. You, you need your stain to dry. You need your sealers to dry. You need your top coats to dry. So there's a lot of patience involved, and that's why you can't, if, unless this is your own issue, and why you do need to charge for something like this. And, you know, look, try to get someone from outside our trade to do this. Try to get one, a woodworker guy, to come and do a repair like this. I'll put my money on the on the season floor guy over at Woods, some, somebody that that you know does that type of repairs for, for woodworking. Okay, long episode. A lot of uh, we got off on a on a sidetrack on sports. We got off some hey, before we yeah. go, uh, you know, I'm working the phone lines a little bit till our school start up. And every once in a while, um a I'll get a contractor who'll call, you know, I'm working the tech line. And uh, be talking to me a little bit. And then I've had a couple of people like, is this Rob from the podcast? And I'm like, yeah. And they just go, yeah, it's great. It turns into like an hour conversation. So keep calling the tech line. I really appreciate it. But the other day I talked to the original man from Nantucket. Is that the original man from Nantucket? The man from That's Nantucket. Right. So I'm going to give a shout out to Dave Chinetti. From Nantucket, had a great conversation. We talked. As a matter of fact, I got to call him back. He sent me an email today. Um, but he's invited us out to Nantucket. The wives, really? us, and he wants Why us to do a, he wants us to do a show from Nantucket. Really? The man from Nantucket wants us to come to Nantucket do a show. Wow. Said he put us up as a place. But part of what he does is he works. He runs the. Um, he runs one of the marinas, one of the main marinas there. Holy smokes. So when he said, oh, oh, the fishing. you know the, you know the deal, man, the that boat. rising tide yeah. pulling up oh. all the boats. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you could get me out. I have never seen it. Must be, must be spectacular out there. 
I've never been to Nantucket. It's funny. I've, you know, born and raised in Massachusetts all my life, been to Martha's Vineyard, but um, never to wouldn't Nantucket. It, wouldn't it be funny if we showed up with our suitcases for three or four days of, uh, you know, hanging out with him in Nantucket? Yeah, well, he he made the offer. Okay. Okay, that's all I need. It's to like know. when it's like when I'll people say right to me, here. it's like when people say to me, "Hey, Rob, come on over. Use the pool anytime." Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm in the pool. <laughs> You're at work. Oh, I'll, I'll meet you here. I'm not going to wreck anything. I'm in your pool. There you go. All you right. Make the his, offer. I'm there. What's his name again? And name of the company? Dave Chinetti. All right. Very cool. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you listening, man. So thank you, Rob. It's interesting how our, our toolbox is matched up. So thank you for listening. And please do stay tuned for another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob.